0: All right, good morning, familia. Could you please stand for the reading of God's Word? We're going to be reading from Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verses 32 to 40. And if you are new to the church and wondering, why is it that we have you stand? This is simply something that we do as a sign of reverence to God and His Word. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to 40. And what, shall, what more shall I say. I do not have time to tell you or tell about Gideon or Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of the lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Verse 35. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, of flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sought. They were sought in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we we pray that you speak to us once again. We know that this is your word, and you use it to transform our lives, Lord. We pray for the presence of your Spirit, that he allows us uh, to believe. And to surrender to what the Scripture says, in the name of Jesus we pray. And we all say, "You may be seated." So, for the last few weeks, we have been uh, going through. A, actually, yeah, we have been going through a series that we are called by faith. And today we're finishing that series. And basically, what we have been doing is going through this list of names in Hebrews chapter eleven, that gives us a picture of what it means to be to live by faith from a Christian perspective. And what we're doing today is we are looking into this group of people that are going to teach us that whenever we claim to believe in God, by, as, a natural, uh, as a natural response, we become people that live a life of faithfulness. To claim to believe in God leads us to be people that live a life of faithfulness. In other words, it is impossible to claim to believe in God and not to live a life of faithfulness. And these are my three points for today. We're gonna talk about what it means to be faithful, how do we put faithfulness into practice, and where do we get the power to become faithful? The meaning, the practice, and the source. Can you do me a favor, look at the person on your left, and say, do you know what it means to be faithful? How many of you guys get uncomfortable every time I ask you to do that? Please raise your hand. Yeah, I know, that's why I do it. Let's go with the first point. Let's talk about the meaning here. I think that the word faithfulness is is a very common word. I I think that everyone has an understanding of what this means. And some people may define faithfulness uh, as loyalty or devotion or commitment or alliance. And those are all good words. But I believe that the word faithfulness has a a more... um, Extends definition in the Bible. I think that the biblical perspective of what it means to be faithful is more like uh, a a synonym of the words believe and trust. In other words, to be faithful is to truly believe God, and because we believe God, we trust Him. And we trust them regardless of circumstances. And when we trust them regardless of circumstances, that's when you live a life of faithfulness. I, I think that that's the biblical definition of what it means to be faithful. It's to believe not just in God, but to believe God to the point that you trust them regardless of circumstances. And when you trust them regardless of circumstances. That's when you live a life of faithfulness. Now, the reason why I'm giving you this definition is because that's what I think the text we read this morning shows us. Uh, The text is divided into two different groups. So from verses 33 to uh, verse 38, we find these two groups. And the first group you find it from verses 33 to the first part of verse 35. And the second group, you'll find it from the second part of verse 35 all the way to verse 38. And what I find amazing about these two groups is that they were all people that lived by faith, and they were all faithful, but their circumstances were so different. So let's talk about the first group, because I think that the first group is the one that we really like. And I think that you're going to connect to this group automatically, Because this is a group of people that by faith, they overcame obstacles. Don't you love that phrase? Overcoming obstacles. And I want to show it to you. Look at what it says here in verse 33. Who through faith, this group of people, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, and shut the mouths of the lions. That's a beautiful sentence. And we know that the author here is talking about Daniel, a man that, because of his faith, was willing to go into the lion's den. And God saved him, and God protected him, and he remained faithful under trials, and God gave him victory. We got more examples in the Bible. We got here in verse 34, people that quenched the fury of the flames. And we know that this one is talking about Daniel's friends. And I don't have time to explain all of those stories, so you're going to have to read it by yourself. Some of the people escaped the edge of the sword. Um, I think that there's a plenty of examples here, but maybe what the author is talking about here is prophets. There were people whose who God turned their weakness into strength. which That's, so, that's amazing. We might, the author might be talking about Esther here. A woman that was weak, and by God's power and because of faith, he became strong. One more example, people that became powerful. The author might be talking about Joshua and the Israelites as a whole. Now, this gets better because verse 35 gives us an example of women that received their kids back for after being dead. And I think that this example here is talking about Elijah, a miracle that, Elijah, that God did through Elijah, and he resuscitated a widow's only son. Now, what I want you to see here is that this is all people that ha- had really hard times, but they all believed God. Not only they believed in God, but they believed God. And because they believed God, they trusted him. And because they trusted him, they overcame obstacles. And they were faithful. All right, by show of hands, how many of you guys love that? How many of you guys don't like that? Yeah. Now, this is, this is the bad news, though. I wish that life would be like that all the time. But if you have lived for more than a year, you know that that's not true all the time. You know that the reality of life is that not all the time we, we are able, because of our faith, to overcome obstacles. Because faith in God does not guarantee that things would always be right. To have faith in God does not guarantee a life of comfort in this world. I wish that that could be true, but it's not. And the reason why I'm saying that is because there's a second group of people. A second group of people that we might not, might not like as much. But it's a group of people that lived by faith, believed God, trusted God, but they couldn't overcome obstacles. Their example of faith is actually very different. It's a group of people that because of their faith, they persevered through suffering. Let me say that again. It was a group of people That because of their faith, they persevere through suffering, and many of them lost. What I mean by that is that even though they were faithful, the end of the story was not a good ending, you know. It was not the typical Hollywood story in which everything looks right at the end. It's actually something a little bit different. And you find that in verse 35. There were others who were tortured. That's not a good word, you know. That's not an appealing word. That's not an inspiring word. Refusing to be relieved so that they might gain an even better resurrection. And actually, this verse right here, we know exactly what the author of the book of Hebrews is talking about. See, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are 400 years of Jewish history. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are 400 years of history that are not recorded in the Bible, but that happened. And this verse right here is talking about this story about this mother with with her seven kids. If you wonder where I get that story from, it's from uh, 2 Maccabees chapter 7. These are historical books that are not part of our Bible, and they shouldn't be part of our Bible, but they're part of the history of the Christian church. And it says that there was a king during this time that wanted this mother and the seven kids to be executed because of their faith. And it's an amazing story because the mom, the mother, is having a conversation with these kids as they are being tortured one by one by this king. So the king goes to the first uh, son, and while he was torturing him, the mother said to the son... The Lord God is looking on and understands our suffering. I need you to remember that. The Lord our God is looking on and understands our suffering. The Lord will have mercy on those who serve him. And he died. The king goes to the second son. But this time the son looks at the king and he says, You might kill us, but the king of the universe will rise us from the dead and give us eternal life. And he died. The king goes to the third son, and he goes to the fourth son, and he does the same thing. But this time, the fourth son, before he dies, he says, I'm glad to die at your hands because we have the assurance that God will raise us from the death. And he died. And the king goes to the fifth son. And he is being tortured, and the son looks at him and says, you have the power to do whatever you want with me, but do not think that God has abandoned our people. Oh, how much you need to remember that. People could do whatever they want with you, and at the end of the day, God has not abandoned his people. That's faith. And he died. And when the king goes to the last son, the mother approaches this kid, probably a teenager. And she says, I urge you, my child, to look at the sky and the earth, consider everything you see there, and realize that God made it all from nothing. In other words, God is powerful, just as he made the human race. Don't be afraid of that butcher." I mean who says that A woman of faith give up your life willingly approve yourself worthy of your brothers so that God, by God's mercy I may receive you back with them and at the resurrection And he died And minutes after she died That's not a story of victory from the human perspective But it's the story of a family that were faithful to the very end. Do you know why? Because they did more than just believe in God. They believed God. And they trusted him. And that's why they remained faithful even under trial. Now the text is full of stories like that. And I'm just going to show them to you. Look at the kind of words that describes the people of faith. Some people faced jeers and floggings. Some people were in chains and imprisonment. Some people were put to death. Some people were sought in two. This is probably Prophet Isaiah. They were killed by the sword. That was probably uh, uh, the Prophet Jeremiah. Destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. That's actually 80% of the church history. That's 80% of the church history. This is probably, look, look at the story here. Some people wandering in the desert and the mountains, living in caves and in holes. That's most likely David, King David. This is the story of Christianity. And this is a bunch of people that were faithful even though at the end of their life, lost. Because they believed God. And they persevered through suffering. Because they believed God. Now, there's a reason why I wanted to spend a few minutes in these two examples. Because I believe that all of us need to believe exactly that. I I, I think that there's some of us here, especially if you're going through hard times in your life, that you need to remember that that our God is so powerful that he can truly turn weakness into strength. That God is powerful, that by faith we can conquer problems, that by faith we can escape struggles, that by faith God sustains you. And sometimes He gives you victory. I think that's important. God is powerful enough to give you what is required to overcome obstacles. You must remember that. You must remember that today. You're gonna need to remember this tomorrow, and you will have to remember that next week. But there's a whole section of us here in this group this morning that need to remember that God is even more powerful than that. That God has the power to keep you and sustain you even when persecution comes, when torture is a reality. When mistreatment is real, when you have to hide and you have to wonder, when you are being ignored and when you are being rejected, God has the power to sustain you even when you suffer. I need you to remember that. Because that's not what you hear. That's not what people offer we like the first group. We love the first group. We hate the second one. And that's why I, I think that many of us might struggle in our faith. Oh, we want God to do amazing things in us and through us. Praise God. and those, That's great. But, but we struggle when we think that God is supposed to work in a certain way. And he's supposed to do certain things. And part of the struggle is because we tend to have an agenda for God. That's not the way it's supposed to be, God. This is not what life's supposed to be about. This is not what God does. And that's part of the reason because you, have grew, up, you grew up in a culture that tells you that you're supposed to have preconceptions about God. Instead of letting God speak to you about who God is and how he works. And the reality is, for those of you that are Christian, is that you won't be able to stay faithful if that's your mentality of God. You don't get to have an agenda. You don't get to tell God the way he's supposed to work. You don't get to tell God what he's supposed to do. We get God as God is. And we believe in him and we trust him. And that then and only then we remain faithful. Listen to the words of Richard Phillips, which is a pastor and a theologian from Westminster Theological Seminary. God may place us on either of the two sides of this record. On the side of those who conquer in success and of those who conquer in defeat. The ones that conquer in success and the ones that conquer in defeat. What matters is not the circumstances, neither the blessings in this life, nor the trials. What matters is the faith by which we may conquer all circumstances. You know, one of the favorite verses that we have as a church, not this, the Christian church, is, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Have you ever heard of that verse? Everyone loves that verse. You have a coffee mug with that verse. But you know the context of that text? This is when Paul says, I could have a lot, I could have a lot, and I, maybe I don't have anything. I could be in victory, and I could be defeated. I could be rich, and I could be poor. I could be loved, and I could be persecuted. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. See, that's the Christian faith. Regardless of circumstances, that's the Christian faith. We believe God during the good times and the bad times. We trust God during the good times and the bad times. And only then, either we overcome obstacles or we persevere through suffering. Is that true for you today? Maybe you're questioning God because you already had an agenda. And you don't get to have an agenda. Now let's go to the second point. Because someone put it out there already. Let's talk about the practice. Because um, this is what is interesting about this group of people. Hebrews 11 describes, the whole book describes, the the whole uh, chapter describes these two groups of people. The people that overcame Obstacles by faith and the people that persevere through suffering. And sometimes you don't know which one is which. All you know is that these people are all together. What I find super interesting about all these names is that the text tells us two things about them. Number one, verse 39, that not not all of them received what, what had been promised. This is really important for us to keep in mind because. What, what the text is saying is that, is that not everyone got what they really wanted. At the end of the day, they never got to live their best life now. Like John, like some people would say. Um, but on the other hand, the, the text tells us that they continued to walk in faithfulness. And verse 40 tells us why. Because they knew that God had planned something better for them. Interesting enough that... The author is talking about them, and he's also talking about us. He says that in life, even though we don't get everything that we want, we trust God because he's got something better for us, and he describes it as something perfect. You know, the word perfect there has different meanings. It's the word complete, or beautiful, or fulfilling, or eternal, or transcendent. And what I want you to see here is that this group of people, everyone in Hebrews 11... We're living between two different worlds. These were people that were living on earth, but they knew that they belonged somewhere else. That's a very important biblical concept. Every single person in the Bible knew that they belong, They were living in two different worlds. Earth and the world that is yet to come. Now we didn't read this verse today but there's a reason why in Hebrews 11 verse 13 this group of people is described as foreigners and as strangers on earth and I want you to and I want to invite you to think about what that means because that's what Christianity means Christian a Christian is a person that lives here but belongs somewhere else. It's a foreigner and a stranger. A Christian is a person that is a resident here, but is a citizen of somewhere else. A Christian is a person that even though lives here, is waiting for the best that is yet to come. The Bible talks about uh, this as the new heavens and the new earth. The end of times in which Jesus is coming back, to make all things new again, to make everything perfect. And I want to invite invite you to consider that unless you understand that as if you are a Christian, you are a foreigner and a stranger here, I want you to understand that unless you embrace that concept, there is no way that you can live a faithful life. It is only when you embrace that concept that you can embrace the Christian life, the Christian faith. Now let me let me let me tell you why I wanted to share this with you. Because um, this phrase right here changed my life completely. This phrase right here is what gave me a complete different perspective on life. You know why? Because I'm a foreigner. And a stranger that's my life and not just in a spiritual sense that's my life so when i first started hearing about this concept i spent hours and hours thinking about this and i got to be honest the first time that i started thinking about this was after an interview radio interview that pastor rob and i did for this christian radio and this person asked me something that I did not know that he was going to ask he says what do you think the immigrant christian community can give the american church i n- nobody has ever asked me that and i said that that they are immigrants That there are foreigners, that there are strangers in a land that sometimes doesn't feel like home. Now, I lived in the United States for 27 years, so that feels like home. And yet sometimes, sometimes, I have this dual struggle in my heart. In which I know that I live here, but sometimes I don't feel that I belong here in which I know that I'm a resident here, actually a citizen, just for your personal information. (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) And yet I know that I have a different citizenship. So I, once again, I spent hours and hours thinking about this. And the more I thought about it, I realized that this is what these people lived. Hebrews 11, this is what these people lived. This is what these people understood. And this is my findings, especially from three people in the Bible. Esther, Daniel, and Jonah. And this is what I learned. So here, let me give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Eight, three things about what it means to be a foreigner and a stranger on earth. Number one, that you must remind, if you are a believer, you must remind yourself that this is not home the way it is. You belong somewhere else. Do you know why you need to know that? Because you gotta remember that your father has a place for you, and this is not it. And that affects the way, that affects the way I deal with my money, you know. That affects the way the things that I buy and the things that I don't buy. Christians are not in the business of building their tiny little kingdoms here. We belong somewhere else. That affects the way way I worry so much about material things. That affects the way I live my life and my lifestyle. That affects the way I spend my time. That affects the way I use my resources for the glory of God, the good of people of my own good. That affects the way I view money and what I do with my money. That affects what I consider to be important. And maybe not something that is not as important. See, this changed the way I live completely. Because I'm always reminded that this is not home. This is not my kingdom. I belong somewhere else. I think that's part of of the reason why Jesus calls us to be careful about treasuring things on earth. The second thing that I learned about this... Is that if I'm here, I'm a foreigner and I'm a stranger, then I'm here on a mission. I'm in a mission to love God and love others. You know where I get that from? Daniel. God sent Daniel into a foreign country to love that country. To bring prosperity to that country. To bring peace to that country. That's Jeremiah chapter 29. Knowing that that country, and I'm not saying that of the United States, I'm saying his context, in that context, they they didn't believe what he believed. And as Christians, it's the same thing for us. We are in a foreign country, and not everyone believes what you believe. But if my mission is to love God and love others, that affects the way I work. Because I'm working as a vocation. And I'm working for the flourishing of this community. I'm not working so I could buy more toys. I'm working because that's my mission. That affects the way I see people, you know? See, for me, I think that the Bible, when it talks about loving your neighbor, is calling you to see that people are not problems to be fixed, or that people are projects. People is people created in the image of God that you ought to love and serve. It is because we love people that we share our faith and we share our life. It is because we love people that we we care about social issues. And I know that someone is going to get uncomfortable with that one. Because some of us believe in the Great Commission, but we don't believe in the Great Commandment. Love God and love others. That's part of the reason why the Christian church go against abortion and go against racism. This is part of the reason why Christians must care about the immigrant, the poor, the orphan, the widow, the one is struggling emotionally, and the one is struggling and is rejected by society. Because we love people. That's what it means to be a foreigner and a stranger on earth. It is because we are foreigners and strangers on earth That we know that our time here is limited. Therefore, you gotta make the most of your time. Stop wasting your life with things that don't matter. It is because we are foreigners and strangers on earth that I know that we will experience persecution. You will be rejected. If someone tells you something different, we're not reading the Bible. This is what that means. Question. How do they do it? Because one thing is to say that we believe in God, that to be faithful is to believe God and to trust Him in all circumstances. Therefore, therefore I'm going to keep on going. That's something that you have up here. And then the second thing is to know that if, if you are faithful, then you have certain practices as we are here, as foreigners and strangers on earth. But at the end, you've got to ask the question, what is it that these people got the power so they could live this out? What was the source of their strength? And it's so interesting because there's one word that explains the whole concept. And you find this in verse 39. They were all commended for their faith. The word commended means that they were approved by God because of their faith. They were not approved by God because of the things they did. They were not approved by God because they were obedient. They were not approved by God because they were good examples of what a Christian looks like. They were approved by God because they believed. This is what is interesting. Interesting. That's the same word that the New Testament uses to describe justification. It's exactly the same word. The word justification in the New Testament means that if you have believed in Jesus Christ, you have been justified, you have been commended by God. And that's the source. And that's the power. That when you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been commended, you have been approved, you have been loved, You have been redeemed. You have been sanctified. You belong to God and nothing changes that. You know why that's important? Because it pushes all fear away. You have nothing to be afraid of. God is for you. And it takes all cowardice away. God is for you, not against you. See, as Christians, we believe that there has been one, one only faithful person, and that was Jesus. We believe that the faithful one didn't have to come, and yet he came into a foreign land and, become, and became a foreigner and a stranger because he had a mission. We believe that the faithful one came only for one purpose, to love God and to love others and to die for the unfaithful, the faithful one dying for the unfaithful. We believe that when he lived and died and resurrected, he he came because he wanted a better home for us. And he was going to go to heaven to prepare a home for us. See, we believed that the only way you become faithful is when you understand what the faithful one did for you. That is the only way. And what I find interesting about these people in the Old Testament is that somehow they understood that. And that's why they lived the way they lived. And that's why they embraced being foreigners and strangers in the land. And that's why they lived and they they loved people the way they did. Now, I want to finish with this illustration because I think it explains what this means. I don't know if you're familiar with David Platt. Uh, He's an American preacher, amazing pastor. And he posted this this week, and I found it so interesting The girl says, dear mom and dad, I love you so much. I can't wait to go back to China to adopt again. I want to thank you for adopting me. This is the reason why I wanted to finish this series with this. When you know that you have been justified, and that also means adopted, the natural response is to want other people to experience what you have experienced. the power of the gospel. If you want to live as a faithful person, if you want to practice your faith, you must believe that you have been adopted, that you have been justified, that you have been received, that you have been loved. And when you do that, you go back to China. Even if you're not Chinese. Because you want other people to experience what you have experienced. Amen? Can we pray? Lord, we are so, so, so thankful for all these weeks that you have given us to dig into the Bible and to learn from the people in the Old Testament, people that lived by faith, people that were examples of what it means to live by faith. We are so thankful, Lord, that through their testimony, we don't have to guess what it means to follow you and love you. Lord, by my prayer, as we finish this series, and we prepare for the most amazing celebration of the year, Good Friday and Easter, I pray, Lord, that you remind us that the only thing we have that changes and gives us the power to live what we're supposed to live is the beautiful gospel. What Jesus came to do. How Jesus came to save us. And how Jesus raised us to a new nature. So we live for, you, for him. Lord, if there's people here that have not made a commitment to you just yet. Please work in their hearts and in their minds. Help them make a decision for you today. And for those of us that are Christian and have been Christian for a while, Lord, give us the courage um, and empower us, Lord, to live what you have called us to live. And we pray for all of these in the name of Jesus and the church says.